0: uh, How do we how do we relate to the one two three people that don't agree with the majority of the people, and this can be a hard thing. Um, So the the lifestyle that people develop, the lifestyle that they live, it's not it doesn't develop in a vacuum for anybody. It's a result of their experiences, a result of what they think the Bible teaches. It's a result of what people uh, instruct them in. It, it's not, people don't grow, they don't become who they are in a vacuum. So here's a true illustration, uh, it's a real one. So I I know a church in which one of the couples is not living together. I'm not talking about in, in Campbell County either. And the wife has emotional and mental challenges that not only hinder her ability to perform normal tasks in the home, but they also result in her using abusive words and actions that make home life completely impossible and cause the children to be suicidal. That's a true story. And I know another church in which it's the husband, the husband who does this, and it has the same result. And in both of these situations, there's uh, quite a bit of diversity among the people, church members about what the problem is and who's at fault and what should be done and what the ministry should do and what everybody else should do and what, how, to, how to address this. And so I'm, I'm just saying these are very difficult. Uh, it can be very challenging. Now I want to talk about some common false assumptions that hinder growth. Some of these might be partially true or true sometimes, and some of them are completely false. Uh, beliefs like you need to, all you need to do is go to church, read your Bible, and pray, and then you will grow. Now, all of those things are good things to do, but that might not be all the person needs. The belief that all you need to do is try harder. So I I know people who have tried really hard and tried harder and harder and harder until they were totally exhausted and they weren't able to get where they wanted to get. They needed some kind of help that they weren't getting. The belief that all you need to do is repent of the sin in your life, that will solve everything. Well, that would be a good thing to do. might not solve everything. Uh, The idea that you're... Uh, Going too much on your feelings, that's a whole category of issue in itself. What's the role of feelings? Just quit worrying about how you feel and do what you're supposed to do. And it will be a good thing to do what you're supposed to do. That's right. But most people aren't able to just forget that they have feelings and live well. It, It doesn't work for most people. At some point things start going bad. Um, the idea that what you lack is, is baptism of the Holy Spirit, that would solve your problems. And maybe if you could speak in tongues, that would solve it. Uh, I mean, I know people who believe that. The idea that you will behave right if you just believe the right things, Which, of course, that's part of it. You can't do the right thing if you don't know what it is. Um, But many people know what's right, but they don't do it, or they don't know how to do it, or maybe they don't want to do it. I'm not sure. Different people have different issues in that. The idea that people will change if you shame them enough Now, that might shock you, but that's probably not a decision anybody makes, that I'm going to shame this person and then they'll grow up. But uh, parents do this, pastors do this. This does happen. We probably aren't aware that we're doing it. Uh, The idea that you will behave right if you believe the right things. The idea that, uh, well, I said that. The idea that all change requires is is to decide to do something, then you can do it. If you just choose to do something, then you can do it. Well, you do have to choose, that's right. But there might be other factors besides choosing. We're more than will. We also are thoughts, and we are, it feels true to me, Beliefs and we are feelings and and uh, we have influences like friends and so it's a little broader than just decide uh, and so here here's one thing that I've noticed over the years another the last one I'll mention um, unhelpful ideas is um The hesitancy that people have to get close in their relationships, people they're talking with. and I've, I know pastors who've told me this, that they're scared to be too close to their people. So I think it is true that, that it is very hard for children to grow if they don't have a healthy relationship with their parents, it's pretty hard for, for uh, church members to be comfortable uh, and listen to and hear and actually respond well to instruction from the Word, whatever, uh, from people that they don't trust. So th- this is an issue. is uh, If we have wrong views of the kind of relationships it takes for people to learn and uh, engage truth. It's hard, it's hard to give instruction to people that don't trust you. Okay, now I want to talk about what is spiritual transformation, and we're going to start here with Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. Uh, you have the verses on the board, the, the uh, New King James, um, I don't actually have that in my notes. Um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, The Phillips translation uh, reads like this. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give your bodies as a living sacrifice consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. Now, I really like uh, the Phillips translation there. It um, gets to a number of points, uh, speaks to, <clears throat> to the points uh, in a very helpful way. So according to Romans twelve one and 2, transformation change is uh, a... Um, the word transformation is a metamorphosis. Uh, it's a change in form. the The word means a change in form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different form or nature. And uh, the word transformed is in in the in the King James. The word transformed is from the Greek word metamorpho, something like that. It's the word metamorphos. So it's, it's this idea, when we think about a caterpillar, the transformation into a butterfly, that is what the idea is. So these verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2, say that, that we present ourselves to God because of God's mercies. And so that, that's an important truth. Present because yourself to God for change because of the mercies of God. Uh, we, don't, we don't surrender to God because he's mean and, and hates us. Uh, He might hate evil, but he does not hate people. And it's the mercies of God. And the word present means yield or offer or surrender your bodies to God as a response to his mercies. Now, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm trying to explain to you what these verses say about how to change. Change depends on yielding yourself to God. And I'll I'll come back to this idea of surrender and yielding a little bit later. Present, yield, surrender your bodies. Uh, The idea isn't just your physical bodies, but your person. Your person in this body, your whole person in in. In its time and space existence, yield yourself, your whole self, to God. And surrender yourself or yield yourself as a living sacrifice. I think the picture there is, okay, Old Testament sacrifices. The animal had to be dead to be offered. So Paul is talking not about a dead person but about a person who is alive and we are offering our alive walking around person uh, to god and we're we're going to live we're going to live and move and act now in this new condition this new yielded surrendered condition we're not dead, we're alive, yielding our alive person to God. And this is holy and acceptable. Uh, it's a morally, morally right thing to do. And it will result in morally, right uh, attitudes and behavior. This is a holy and acceptable action, this yielding of this alive, it's an alive unto God person. This is your reasonable service. The word actually means uh, knowledgeable service. It it corresponds to what we know of God. It's reasonable because it agrees, this surrender agrees with who God is and what he wants of us. And then we come to be not conformed to the world, uh, which is the idea, do not be pressed into the mold of the world. The, The here and now, the transitory, the temporary. So you have the eternal and you have transitory. And, and a lot of our lives is lived in the transitory. I mean, it just is because it's where we are. But what, what does this thing about be not conformed to this world mean? Uh, do not be conformed to what is changeable and unstable. So, I, I want to say a few things about the world. So I grew up here in this community, which when I think about that, and then I think I want to say some things about how I grew up and what I thought, I feel a little bit scared, okay? Because what I'm going to say about my thoughts about things when I was growing up is no, I'm not trying to make any negative statement about anybody. They're preaching or teaching or my parents or anybody else. I'm just saying As a child, this is my thoughts, okay? However I arrived at them, I don't know. So I grew up with the idea that the world was anyone who didn't go to my church. That's what I thought, for whatever reason. And I also tended to think that anybody that didn't go to my church was dangerous. They were different I, I don't know. Well, partly I was a child and I didn't know them, and I was a little bit maybe scared of people I didn't know. They're bigger and whatever, whatever, you know. It's how children can be. It's how I was. And that's how I felt about public school. I felt like I was a stranger there, and I, actually, I, I didn't. Some, some of you went to public school, and you actually had friends there. I didn't have any friends there. I think I was too scared of them. I don't know what all, but... Um, I, I don't think I ran away and hid from them, but I, I was not really that sociable with them. I also grew up with the idea that not to be like the world required not doing what those people did. And of course... Um, this view didn't always work because they drove vehicles and we did too. So at some points I was a little confused about how that's supposed to work out. I wasn't sure. Um, so I gradually came to believe that worldly must mean sinful or something opposed to the principles of the kingdom of God. That that was probably by the time I was in my mid-teens, I started thinking things like that, which was better. So I learned as I got older that the question, what is worldly, is a challenging question. I also learned as I got older that each culture or subculture developed its own view of what is worldly. We, We lived in South Boston, uh, near Ebenezer, actually within a half a mile, probably. And from the time I was two till I was turned seven. And uh, I remember a lot of things about that age and things that happened and impressions I had. And uh, that was a good church, and I was nurtured well there. Uh, one of my Sunday school teachers was. Uh, I don't know if I'll get her name right, but one of the good girls. Uh, Court. I can't get her name. Wow. Uh, but uh, she was a good Sunday school teacher, and I enjoyed being in her class and to learn things. Felt safe to be there, too. Um Gradually, gradually, I came to think that um, that being nonconformed that that it mattered more that you were focused on being conformed to God than on being just nonconformed to something. I did gradually think that way, but I'm not, I'm not my comments here. I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not saying everything there is to say about be not conformed to the world. I'm just giving you my reflections for myself. And uh, maybe, maybe the issue of what is worldly and be not conformed and be transformed, be conformed to God, maybe for many of us, maybe it's kind of a challenging thing to think about. So to be transformed is the idea of, of uh, being formed by what is eternal, what matters, what is true, what is godly, becoming like Christ. It's talking about a complete inner change, transformation that's accomplished by the Spirit of God And then this transformation is expressed in our character, in our conduct, in our attitudes. And so the idea here is shape your life, conform yourself to that which is eternal. So I remember um, John Martin, John D. Martin. I don't know if he said it when he was here, but I heard him say it one time some years ago. Uh, when you're being conformed to God, when you're being transformed, you ask the question, will I be glad a thousand years from now that I made this decision? Now, when you think about that, that is really a profound statement that that is what is being said here in Romans 12:1 and 2 about about conform to what is eternal consider what is eternal and then these verses say be transformed in order to prove what is the good acceptable and perfect will of God and the idea of to prove is the idea of to test we we are being changed so that we can develop the ability to test, to evaluate, and then approve what is the best. So the transformed person is learning is learning how to evaluate the various options in a situation, is learning how to test how well um, what does the scripture say how will this affect people how will it affect me what will the result be what will the result of this decision be a week from now a month from now a year from now who will i become if to to test evaluate this is what the transformed person is learning to do learning to evaluate what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the idea of the perfect will of God is the idea that it's not so much the idea that you will become perfect and sinless and no flaw. It's the idea of uh, for when something is perfect it fulfills the end for which it was created that's what determines whether something is perfect it 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 allows it can reach the goal when you reach the intended goal this is god's perfect will it's the goal he has in mind and he has a goal in mind for each of us and in our behavior he has a goal and and i'm just saying it's not as much about perfecting ourselves as it is being able to reach the goal that god has in mind for us So the renewed mind is able to test and evaluate various options, I'm summary, thereby to discern what God says is a morally upright life. And according to Paul, God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. It's morally upright, it's well-pleasing, it's delightful, it's complete, and it fulfills its desired goal, God's desired goal. Uh, Growth toward holiness is not just so we can be perfect or sinless or look good, but so we can participate with God in the rule of his kingdom, so we can be useful, so we can fulfill the purposes for for which God created us, and God did create each of us for purpose, good purpose, uh, gifted us, And uh, our experiences, we learn skills. All of this contributes to to serving God in a good way in kingdom work so we can be useful. Uh, So in in talking with people, uh, here's one thing I've learned, is that instead of trying to uh, control people and tell them what they have to do, so that they will do what I want, so that I won't look bad as the person that talked to them. And the people don't always do what I want them to do. They don't always do what you want them to do. And why is that? Well, it's it's because they have the freedom to choose, and you can't just force people. You You can try to influence them. But what we need to learn is to teach people how to test in order to approve what is best. Teach them how to evaluate the options God gives to them or the options that are available to them and choose the option that... that, Well, for now, I'll just say... And choose the option that seems best to them in light of God's Word and various factors. So there's more on your sheet. I think I will stop. I well, I want to make one comment about... Uh, make a comment about Luke 9, the second one. Uh, so... I say transformation begins with denying self. And Jesus talked about this. He that wants to follow me must uh, deny self. Uh, so what what does this mean? And I want to say this, this is not a self-rejection, like saying I'm a horrible person and I hate myself, and I'm going to reject myself. And uh, whoever I am, that god created in his image i'm, I'm just going to get rid of that so i can be holy isn't it, this isn't um, denying self isn't it isn't leaving myself behind it's about surrender of all that i am to jesus is surrender the yielding in Romans 12.1. That's what this is talking about is surrender. Surrender to Jesus. So in worship and in surrender, we discern the will of God and we can uh, grow. And um, I will talk about other factors as we go along. Thank you for your time and attention.